Welcome to Marketing Like a Mother, a podcast made for mompreneurs by mompreneurs. Each week, we're diving into mom-approved business and marketing strategies to help you grow a profitable and family-friendly business. Today, I am your host, Olivia Radcliffe, and I'm here with Michelle Bovell. <laughs> <laughs> the amazing Introduce Michelle. myself. Yes. <laughs> Um, so we have lately done this thing where we took a step back and have decided to interview each other. So Michelle did a wonderful job interviewing me, <laughs> I think, asked some very um, in-depth questions. And so now it's my <laughs> turn. I get to ask The her, tables have turned. <laughs> yes. Let's dive into a little bit more about who you are, Michelle, get people to know the wonderful, amazing you that I know and love and- um, and maybe some deep, dark, hidden secrets or skeletons that have been in your closet. Maybe we can poke at those a little right, bit right. too. Yeah. I mean, we, so this is going to just completely derail things, but growing up, I actually had a skeleton in my closet. My dad had one from medical school. His name was Fred. <laughs> and I was really sad when we got rid of him. <laughs> okay. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Actually, it makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Literal skeletons in your closet. That actually. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> So, all right. So let's go ahead and jump right in. And do you want to just tell a little bit about your story, how you got started as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I feel like my story is so winding. So I started my business about four years ago. Yeah, my son's four and a half. So four years ago, coming off the back of being basically let go in my sort of standing job during maternity leave. It was very scandalous, but there's nothing I could do about it because they'd hired me in a kind of roundabout way and I didn't have any say. So I was left, um, I think they fired me like three days after I'd given birth when I'd sent oh a picture gosh. of my son saying like, hey, he's here. And they're like, great. Um, can you come back to work? And I was like, no, not yet. I'm still recovering and on maternity leave. And I'm like, well, we've decided to downsize your position. So um, if you'd like to stay with us, you can take on basically this PA thing, but you have to start next week. Uh, I just gave birth. It's been quite complicated. I can't do that. And so essentially I was like, oh, like three days after I'd given birth. Mm -hmm. That um, still infuriates me every time I hear that, by the way. Yeah, we looked into taking legal action. It was so convoluted. It wasn't worth it. But it was a good thing in the end because I basically had previously... In my past life, I'd studied film and theater, and I got a master's degree in film from USC Film School, which is apparently like a very prestigious film school. I, apparently. I know it's a very prestigious film school. I just feel guilty that I didn't use it in the end, um, which is where I met my husband. And uh, I have really, really fond memories of that time. But I'd sort of seen myself in my like higher education years getting into film. I really loved the set design side of things and I went out into the industry to become a set decorator and I did pretty well I'm very ambitious I'm kind of unashamed at asking what I want so I got myself into um, some different projects and started working in the industry really quickly and was starting to work on some cool shows and you know really getting a sense of climbing the ladder pretty quickly especially compared to like other people coming out of film school. But I had really quite early on into that kind of climbing into the career space, a sinking feeling starting where 
things just weren't adding up, that basically the way that the film industry works just doesn't work for me as a human. We like in film, you work really long hours. It's a 12 hour day by default, and then they can go over time. Um, the times shift a lot. So you can have, if they're filming at night, often your 12 hours are in the middle of the night and you have to sleep mm. during the day. And that will shift throughout the week. So my husband still does that. He is amazing, but I definitely struggled really hard with this like never fixed time that you're actually working or sleeping. Um, and then there was just like the constant stress of never knowing when the next project came along. And when I was in a project, I was worried about the next one. Um, and there was a lot of like underlying sexism in the industry and in kind of my department in particular was quite, I don't know, it was just not sitting right with me. And I was seeing a lot of the women I admired and started working with living just like lives I didn't want, that they were often divorced or had kids they didn't really see or didn't manage to have kids. And I actually worked for two or three ladies who were pregnant at the time of us working and they were basically looking ahead at retiring because they were having babies and babies and that kind of work just don't mesh. So I can kind of already saw the end point for me of like, as soon as I was going to have kids, it was basically over if I wanted to be present with my children. That's not to say that some people don't make it work. I'm incredibly impressed at those who can do it, but I kind of saw my limitations there and saw my relationship with my now husband really starting to blossom and seeing like family being in the future and those two things colliding in a way that just was never going to make sense. So this was all still in LA and we were coming up against the end of my husband's visa. So I had the idea for us to move back to France because I don't feel a sense of like being anchored particularly. I grew up just moving an absolute ton and I don't really feel like I'm from anywhere. So why not France where he's feeling like anchored and has family and, and wanted to be reconnected. So we moved here and I basically started again, trying to figure out how to use those skills that I picked up in film, but in something that had a regular schedule and like was an actual consistent job and was really lost for about two, three years, just plodding my way through a bunch of customer service type jobs. I worked in like the tourism industry because I didn't speak French yet. And it was it was kind of demoralizing that I had gone to this like big fancy film school. I'd had this very promising career and then I just kind of threw it away because it wasn't working. And, you know, I was starting to look at being like secretary essentially. And it was a really harsh contrast from what I sort of pictured for myself, even though at my heart, I knew I wanted a better life work balance. I wanted to make space for family and just like being a happy human but that contrast was really tough. And fortunately, I kind of ended up in a job that led to some other jobs that got me into the marketing world, which was finally something interesting after like two, three years of just working to work to do something. I started to have stuff where I could use that creativity and the project planning and like all my detail orientedness. Um, and I started to feel like I was thriving and kind of doing well. And then yeah, I got let go during maternity leave and couldn't see a way forward to have another day job. Like I'd already tapped out most of the English speaking places in France and I 
just didn't have it in me to try and find something else. And we now understand why, but we had a very, very, very high needs kid who was feeding around the clock and not sleeping and just couldn't really be put down for ever. <laughs> um, but at least the first like nine, 12 months of his life, he was just incredibly attached at the hip or boob <laughs> at all times. And I felt like I was quite up against this wall of, okay, I've been let go. I tried being a stay-at-home mom and it lasted about two weeks before I drove myself nuts. And that's where I actually had a friend suggest who, who ran her own business. She's like, look, I think this could be something. I think you could do it. It's, it's not as stable as I was wanting. You know, that was one of my big missions coming out of leaving film is I wanted something stable, but I was kind of desperate. And so I, you know, sort of said, effort, I'll try something. <laughs> started my business working uh, as a web designer. And so I took some courses to learn a bit more about like the technical side and user experience and started taking on clients. And that was really fun for a while, but my son's needs didn't lessen with time. In some ways they got more and taking on clients just was a lot. It was draining me. It was taking more out of me than I was getting back in terms of either money or like creative fulfillment. So I started the shift towards something else pretty quickly after I actually started taking clients. And the sort of new iteration of my business is really just shifting away from that client work into creating resources and education for other people who are looking to shortcut things, to streamline things, to make running a business a little easier because I think at its core, I am a doer, I'm a maker, I am very good at seeing patterns and ways to do things faster, easier. So I'm trying to harness that natural skill into something actually useful for other people, rather than jamming myself into a service provider bucket that was never really going to fit me as a human. So I feel like that's the shortest version of it, I can say, and that's already like 10 minutes of just me talking wall to wall. Hey, but it's such an amazing story. And I mean, I obviously I've heard you tell it before, but every time you tell it, I'm utterly amazed at, well, you know, you, you say you started off everything by saying that you're almost a bit ashamed that you didn't use your prestigious film school education for what, you know, it was intended for. But yeah. I think there are so many things in life and especially as, as entrepreneurs that we dive into something and then it turns into something even more amazing that maybe yeah. wasn't what it was intended for. But you being in that school brought you to your husband and your son and this amazing oh, life yeah. that you are now in your business. And um, I think it's it's really amazing to embrace, as you said, sometimes there are those moments where you just have to say F it and just do it <laughs> and just jump in and try something and see yeah. which doors it leads to. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I have zero regrets from that time and I think it was a, an amazing education I think it is it's always hard to leave things behind especially something that you do still love and my husband still works in film I still get to see it and it's validating every time he has a project I'm like yep that's not for me <laughs> but yeah I think it is it's like all a path and you take you know each step as you come and try and make choices and you try things on and if it doesn't work then you move along and my dad always likes to say I'm the most rigidly adaptable person he's ever met. And I think that's kind of it. I'm so 
uh, strict with my like rituals and the way I do things and I'm very locked in in a lot of parts of my personality but I can throw everything to the wind and like move to a country I don't speak the language or change my career path or like do ridiculous big changes with kind of no skin off my teeth but the small stuff will like really drive me nuts yeah I mean and that to me moving to a country where I mean moving to a different country period (laughs) would would panic me but then moving to a country where I don't speak the native language and going through that whole process it sounds both incredibly freeing and also very terrifying to me so I am (laughs) utterly amazed at your courage and your ability to just jump in and and tackle those kinds of things Um, thanks definitely think it's a strength of yours yeah (laughs) so I do have one very superficial question before we get into some of the deep stuff. And it goes back to your days in film. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I want to know more about some of the projects you worked on. Do you have a favorite favorite project or maybe favorite celebrity or someone you've worked with? Yeah, I'm absolutely dreadful at names. And I'm that person who will walk past a famous person and not know who they are. So I'm not the best for name dropping, but... Um, I got to work a couple days on the Parks and Rec set, which was so cool. And I had weaseled my way into that job. I had made friends with the set decorator like four years earlier and just kept that relationship up. And I finally got to work on it. And that was so wonderful because it was the only thing I worked on that I actually watched. Um, But I did a bunch of like TV shows and indie things. I did a movie with one of the Chris's, I think Chris Evans. The one who's in the Marvel movies. There's I'm not good at names. In the Marvel movies, but you I know Chris Evans. Yeah, that works. Captain America. Chris Evans. Okay. Yeah, that one. Um, so I did stuff with him. I did one with Ewan McGregor, but I never actually got to be on set with him. But I thought that was pretty cool. But usually, honestly, in the backside of like the behind the scenes type of roles, you don't really care what actors you work with. It's really about the celebrities of your field so I got to work with some like Oscar winning production designers who's kind of the head of the art department and that was way more prestigious and exciting to me than like the actors who I never really interacted with at all I did most of my work before they even started so I could name drop things that nobody else would care about yeah no I'm I'm still stuck back on Chris Evans okay so (laughs) Um, honestly my favorite like (laughs) starstruck moment was that I got to work in the back lots of Warner Brothers and Universal every day Mm -hmm. and that was like my pinch me moment just hanging out in the prop houses and in the back lots there I thought that was the coolest thing ever that would be amazing yeah I would love that I felt very cool with my little badge to get in (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely um all right and so touching then on your your expat status and all the places you've lived um where have you lived I you've mentioned a few (laughs) a few places but yeah I'm horrible at this too I have a really so this is like side note but I have a really poor memory so my dad keeps track of where I've lived I think he said (laughs) we're up to like 12 15 I don't know but I was born in Australia um we moved to uh when I was about five six when my mom was pregnant with my middle sister We were meant to move to America and we took a very long winded route through Eritrea, which um, they worked in a hospital there for a couple months. And we cut that short because my mom was getting close to giving birth. Um, So we moved quickly to England for a couple months for her to give birth to my sister and then back uh, to America to the plan A. 
So we lived in California for a bit and then we moved back to Australia, to a different part of Australia, to Adelaide, where she had my last, my my youngest sister. (laughs) Um, And we moved a little bit within Australia there. And then when I was, I want to say 17, we moved back to the States, back to California, um, to the Bay Area, where I only stayed for a year. I actually skipped my, I guess, my second to last year of school because the school systems are different in Australia. We start in January, not in September. So it was a big old mess. I basically skipped two two half years and redid a year to be the right age for all of the moving back and forth across (laughs) hemispheres. So I I did my last year of high school in California. It was a disaster. That's like a story for another time. And got into a small liberal arts school in Southern California called Occidental College. The people of note there, Obama went there for like a year and then left, <laughs> and as did um, Ben Affleck. So there you go. Okay. Uh, Clueless, the movie was filmed there. That was very cool. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the college I went to for my undergrad. I absolutely adored that experience. Um, it was very enlightening on like where I was. I was never great at school. I really struggled until... Basically, the last year of high school in Australia, I started to be able to choose my own subjects and I picked all like arty things. I did fashion design and set design and some acting, which is hilarious, considering I can't read scripts, but, you know, (laughs) I did arts and stuff and I was doing better. And then coming back to America, I had to take all of the subjects that I hadn't met the requirements of. So I had an entire year of just like my worst things. It was horrible. (laughs) Like all the subjects I basically couldn't do in Australia, like maths and PE and science and history. It was like horrible. So I got through that and then it was torture. And then my uh, undergrad, I did a double major. I did theatre and film, both in more of the back end side of things and doing set design, costume design, um, a little bit of producing. So like organizing stuff. And I really enjoyed that. And I got um, kind of the bug to be in the film industry. Being in LA, it's kind of easy, mm-hmm. easy to bug. And so that's when I went into um, USC. My parents and my sisters moved back to Australia while I was in undergrad. So I kind of stayed in the States on my own. And I stayed there for nine and a half years. And that was kind of intentionally that it didn't hit 10 because I'd asked my husband to make sure I didn't stay 10 I'd never planned on being there. <laughs> so I wanted to move somewhere I actually chose to be um, to kind of live out my adult life. So, yeah, and then we've been in France. So all in all, it's not that many places, but we flipped back and forth between America and Australia multiple times. And then in Australia, we moved around quite a lot too. I mean, I think it, that's it. That, <laughs> to me, that's 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 amazing because I think I've lived in the same place literally my entire life um I, I literally I live like seven minutes so much where I too. Grew up. yeah 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 um <laughs> but I, so to me that's that's incredibly interesting and even just to say flip-flopping <laughs> back and forth between the U.S. and Australia is something that like I've always wanted to go to Australia never been it seems like such a big thing for me um yeah it's funny because I think I'm not well 
traveled in the sense of I didn't holiday in places we went and lived places yeah <laughs> and it's very different and as an adult I've now gone on actual holidays I'm like oh this is nice you can experience things but you don't have to uproot your entire life integrate into their system <laughs> and just visit so it was kind of a strange way to experience the world growing up that you just move places and have to go to the schools and integrate you know fully in those locations it's very very weird way to travel <laughs> yeah but also very thorough right you definitely get fully immersed yes. in, the, in the culture <laughs> of the place so that's um, true <laughs> but I would love to learn a little bit more about young Michelle this is a question you asked me what were you like in yeah like in school what were your hobbies how were you as a kid Mm. So I was adorable. I had a big old fringe and I thought I was the cutest thing ever. And I was told so because of the only child of my generation for a long time. So I was very much treated as like a little doll, a little like grown up. And um, I think it kind of instilled in me the sense of wanting to be like the good girl and be responsible. And then I had my sisters once I was six and then 10. So I like quite a big age gap. And I think that's really formed a lot of who I am this idea of growing up quickly and being responsible and very maternal I think is is a big part of my childhood that shaped who I am um but in school I was like I don't know it was hard because I shifted a lot but I usually only ever had like one or two friends because by the time I'd made the friends I moved Mm. um so I was pretty good at occupying myself like I had a very active still have a very active like inner life um I love audiobooks I'm dyslexic so I, reading isn't the easiest but I love stories I love being told stories I love making stories like I love storytelling so I was always kind of immersed in something like that I think I was very attracted to creativity and creative people I always made friends with the outsiders like I love me a black sheep I will always gravitate towards the person who doesn't fit in um I think that's sort of reflective of how I didn't feel like I fit in either. And as a 36-year-old adult, I'm starting to figure out why. But um, yeah, I was I was a little bit of an outsider by choice as much as I was by circumstance. Um, but I was very, uh, I don't know, like very extreme at being good at things or just absolutely horrible. There was no gray. Like I was never okay at things in school. So um you know I think I really only found my place quite a bit older in in my education of finding that you could be part of creative things without being the performer or the artist but being part of like the logistics of making creative things happen um but I was always very organized I was always like on top of my homework I did it the second it was assigned to me most of it was wrong but you know I did it (laughs) I was very much a doer and I think that really stays true um but yeah I spent a lot of time like in play I think I was quite late to bloom like I was you know living with much younger siblings and I really kept my sense of childhood and wonder a lot later than everybody else around me and I I'm actually really glad I had that experience like I really got to still be silly and and childish into my teen years and I think that was really formative for me um but it was quite a sharp sort of contrast from 
this little bubble of being in many ways still a child and then moving out of home at 18, which culturally we do not do in Australia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we move out much later and moving out in America to go live on my own and all of these college age kids who I think in the States you just grow up faster, you're socialized to grow up faster. And then just like I was a little bit more infantile in my head, like I was still a little bit locked in that child space. So it was really mm-hmm. confronting seeing these people who were out, you know, partying and drinking and hooking up. And I was still in a very different place. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also really like catalyzing, canalizing, is that the word I want? Solidifying for me that, you know, I am who I am and I don't like what I don't like. So I never really drink. I've never like done any drugs. I don't smoke. Like I'm very, you know, firm with my convictions of what I want to do. Don't really judge that other people want to do those things, but it's just not for me. And I think that muscle to kind of distinguish, like, this isn't for me, that's that boundary, I think really started in that contrast at college of seeing what everyone else is doing, be like, right, that's not for me. I'm going to draw that line. And I think, I don't know, it's been something that's interesting to see blossoming as I run a business. Like, I think I... I think about my boundaries. I think about what I do and don't want to do a lot. And I think I'm very conscious with my choices of what I let in or not. I think based on this like anchor I have in myself of like, okay, this is who I am. And we're just going to operate around those boundaries. Um, but yeah, young Michelle, I think was, was generally a pretty happy kid, but quite like lonely in her own way, a bit lost, um, very much in her own head do you still feel lost sometimes I think I feel much more at peace with myself having been a mum. I knew from like very young I wanted to be a mother and I was very mothering to my littlest sister with like a 10 year age gap I really kind of took her under my wing as my surrogate baby um and I'd been kind of practicing that role and I think when I did finally have my own son that sense of lust kind of faded it's still there in some places but I think yeah I that was the one thing I knew I wanted to do the one thing I felt like I was going to be good at so mm. now that I got that I feel like it's it's bring brought me a lot of peace I love it <laughs> well listening to you talk I can definitely see the bits and pieces and how you've come together and kind of the breadcrumbs so to speak that have led to <laughs> where you are and who you are today and mm-hmm. how that actually um, shows up in your business also. Mm. But I'm curious, what do you see that you have brought to your business from those experiences, from your time at film school and all the things you've mm. learned, those lessons you've learned from traveling and, and well, moving <laughs> um, <laughs> and being kind of that, that kind of nomadic life? Um, mm. How has that applied to your business? Yeah, I think I learned a fearlessness to try things. I really credit my dad. He is such a jump first and think later kind of guy. And I don't have that naturally, but I think I've learned to embrace just trying things, just doing things and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like executor in me, that thing, I love checking a to-do list off. I love doing things. I'm very efficient. And I think leaning into that rather than trying to force a certain type of creativity that I don't naturally have. Like I'm not a 
an artist per se and I was always around arts but never quite an artist Mm. I think just embracing that sense of like okay I can make something it doesn't have to be artistic to be creative and valuable and I see that really throughout my business um I think yeah being like pretty adaptable to things changing trying on new ideas and seeing if they're going to fit and kind of ruthless of like right that doesn't fit the boundaries that doesn't fit the scope of what I'm looking for we'll just check it out and try something new um and I think that like gut checking of like is this what I actually want is this a good fit is this what I like um I think that's something I learned through yeah just like this ever-changing life I had um in terms of film I think a lot of like visual composition um like visual design carries through all different mediums and that was really helpful in like the design side of what I do project management is huge and I think that foundational like planning a film is like I don't know I think it's a lot like military kind of planning it's so many moving parts and they're constantly changing and it is a mind-boggling feat to put a film on so when I'm planning out something like a you know course launch or a project for a client I'm like this is just nothing it's fine but the planning of it and the shifting all the pieces is really satisfying I love that part and I think leaning more into that is something I'm trying to work on because it is it's an itch I like scratching. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm curious. So mm. now I know that you're going through or you've been going through the process of kind of pivoting your business a little bit in your, your yeah. main focus. Um, I wonder, can you dive into a little bit what has led to that pivot and, and especially yeah. in your own personal development in your own life, you know, how has that affected your direction of your business and how you've gone about making that shift? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's tons of pieces that kind of added up to it, but I think the underlying reason is I made a business that wasn't good for me. I think taking on multiple clients and working very deeply with people is is very taxing for me. Um, I find like holding space for people very hard um, especially when they give critique and I have a lot of like rejection sensitivity challenges. So mm. I found that was just wearing very heavily on me. And last year, my son, I've mentioned on the podcast before, he's been diagnosed autistic and he was just having a really hard time with changes. My husband still works in film, so he goes away for months on end. And the school system's not been the easiest for us to navigate and supports have not been the easiest for us to navigate. And it just came to this like perfect crux of like all these things leading to me not having time, not having energy. We weren't sleeping well and I couldn't, I couldn't hold that space. And so instead of the advised like easing off of clients and easing on to digital products and courses and more one-to-many offers it's like right (laughs) just cut the cord Mm -hmm. and I still work with a designer um a little bit in some white label work and that's been okay it's been actually a really nice thing because it's a very hand-off kind of relationship but yeah I don't I don't take clients anymore and it's just been a huge relief to clear up that space in myself and as much as the work wasn't actually taking that much real time the weight it was carrying on me was was huge um and I've been shifting more into creating like courses and resources but I think underlying also talking about 
people like me who are trying to run a business with circumstances that aren't the easiest that don't let you have all the time in the world or don't you don't have innately in you the same capacity as other people the same energy levels as other people the same like health concerns if you have disabilities or neurodivergence and learning about like the way my brain works and the way my son's brain works I see more and more how a lot of the typical advice we're given as just humans and especially as business owners works for certain people but just like innately isn't built for others and I think learning more about the way my brain works I'm seeing the gaps in the business I built for myself just not matching how I function as a human and then trying to rectify that trying to talk more openly about the decisions I'm making the process I'm going through to realign the work I'm doing and the way I do it to how I actually function as a human and trying to make it something that is more yeah like molded to the specifics of my life and my personality and my brain because so much of what I started my business was was shoving myself into a box that I didn't fit it was the whole round peg square hole thing I just couldn't make it work the way I was told or the way other people were doing it because I literally wasn't playing the same game Mm -hmm. so trying to talk more openly and and you know, provide resources and teach more openly about like making your own shape because you won't just fit innately in this sort of stereotypical processes and models if you have this other stuff going on. So that's kind of where I'm going. It's still evolving. And I think I'm kind of more at peace with the idea too of not being a final finish shiny, like here is what I have achieved and ta-da, but trying to bring people along with that process of discovering and the constant kind of adjusting and tweaking because I'm very much a process person. I don't look at the end goal. I'm not someone who, like I, I used to knit a lot and I didn't care about the end thing I made. I liked the process of making it. Mm. So I'm trying to really embrace this, like I'm bringing you along in the process because ultimately businesses don't get finished unless you sell them. <laughs> So like, why don't we enjoy the act of doing rather than just aiming blindly for the end? Yes. I I love that. That's something I can (laughs) definitely get on board with and and can definitely get on a soapbox about all day about, (laughs) you know, cultivating that, that environment and creating that business that very much reflects you and your likes and where you are in life. And that is going to shift and it is going to change. And I think that's a perfect example of, you know, your life was one way and you built a business and it has shifted and your wants yeah. and likes and needs and scheduled desires and all of that has shifted as well. And that the stuff isn't written in stone. It can, no. it can flux, it can shift and change. And yeah. I do love, you know, I've been giving a very sneaky peek behind the scenes at your products, <laughs> obviously. And I, I absolutely love the stuff you're putting out now that is all well i loved your stuff before to be clear by the <laughs> way love all your products but this new direction where you are very fo- focused on that kind of life first business yeah. approach I, I think it's very fitting um especially mm. in this day and time i th- i think it's it's very very fitting so good mm. on you for that thank you <laughs> um so now just for some very quick rapid fire Oh, FAQs. Um, <laughs> yeah, just the light, just the light, easy ones. Um, yeah. So what's your favorite color? I always struggle with that one. I know you struggled with it too. <laughs> I always say blue 
because I like blue, but I think I really like blue and certain tones of reds and mustard yellow. And I love wearing colors. I made a pact with myself after I turned about 13 to never wear black Mm -hmm. uh, when I was like going through my period and like becoming a teenager. I went through this year or two wearing black all the time. And I didn't want to feel like my emotions were black like I wanted to dress how I wanted to feel so I always wear colors and I think just subconsciously embracing colorfulness is a happy thing to do and especially in Europe where like people wear very dull colors and I'm always that like bright shiny (laughs) person wearing all the colors I want to dress how I want to feel so I like color (laughs) I love it I love it um what's your favorite food I mean dessert is that a food (laughs) I have such a sweet tooth um and I like anything you live in France (laughs) I know I like pickles too a lot um like gherkins and olives and anything vinegary I have a really strong vinegar tooth as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah desserts and it's very treacherous here because everything is delicious and it's a problem (laughs) yeah yeah I would definitely have an issue um (laughs) what's your favorite book So I, in that whole sort of part I was sharing before about being a little bit stuck in my childhood, I have an absolute love affair with classical children's books. Mm -hmm. And Peter Pan is like my standby favorite book. I would totally call that. I didn't even know that. I would totally call that. I love it. Oh, I love Peter Pan. I'm Wendy. And I really feel Mm -hmm. like I lived my life. My dad is Peter Pan. (laughs) He won't grow up. He is an eternal child. And I always felt this sense of having to be sensible and having to take care of the brood of people, but still wanting to be in that wonderful land of adventure and childhood and straddling that world of like being a grown up and being in your imagination. So I love Peter Pan. (laughs) What's your favorite movie? That's the worst question. And we got asked it in film school all the time. I I was actually asked it on my like interview to join film school. And I said, back then and I stand by it is the Anne of Green Gables series that was a Canadian series from like the 90s it is just beautiful and so like I don't know it's another story about a kid who doesn't fit in and just finding her own way and being her own self and I really resonated with it and I still just adore it and I think there's so much to learn from those kind of I guess from like the 1900s and like 1880-ish those kind of series where they were starting to talk about their experience of adolescence and becoming an adult and fitting in and there's some just beautiful pieces around that time that just really like mean something to me really resonate even though it's a completely different time a completely different world mm-hmm. um so that one and like little women um I do like the line the witch in the wardrobe which I know you mentioned too um yeah and I also love Douglas Adams so um yeah. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide and Life, the Universe, and everything. <laughs> I like a bit of absurd humor, so that works. Yes, yes, I love it. I love it. Um, what's your favorite holiday? Holiday. I like birthdays. I like yeah. my birthday. I like everybody else's birthdays too. Um, I'm not religious at all and grew up in a very atheist family, so traditional holidays always felt kind of weird because they weren't ours. Mm-hmm. Even if we would celebrate Christmas as like the time of year where everyone has a holiday, so why not? hang out and do stuff but it really felt like birthdays were the time we could celebrate that person and really just shower them with love so I'm a a huge birthday person Mm -hmm. are you a winter or a summer kind of person 
I'm an autumn kind of person right. because I won't Good. pick one of the two. <laughs> I, I hate being hot. I'm I know it's ironic being Australian, but I'm not a summer person. I can't stand the beach. I don't like sun, but I also can't handle that much cold. So autumn works for me. Mm-hmm. That's, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I have a million more questions. I could keep asking you. I think we do need to do part twos to these series because I think we should. Maybe once yeah. a year we'll do these. These are fun. Yeah. Have people submit questions. Any questions you have about Michelle, <gasps> let me know. And I will I will dig deeper, get the dirt. Next time, so. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for opening up. And thank you all so much for joining us this week on Marketing Like a Mother. If you found value in the show today and want to support some Bella Mompreneurs, we'd really appreciate a rating or even just telling a friend about the show. And we'll be back next week with more marketing tips for busy moms with businesses. Until then, take care.